Last week we started a new series entitled Exiles, in which we're talking about the fact that when we became Christians, if you are a Christian, when you were baptized into Jesus, you were, as Jesus said, born again. You were born again by the water and the Spirit. You became a part of a new creation, a new humanity. No longer simply a descendant of Adam, now we are descendants of Christ. We are part of Jesus' family. And as such, we have a new citizenship, a citizenship that's in heaven, which makes us, on the earth, exiles, sojourners, aliens, foreigners, immigrants, that we have taken up residence among a people that are not our own, that we live as strangers in this land. And so the question is, how should we do that? How do we live as exiles in the world? What does that look like? And I'll tell you, I think that if we were to ask the younger generation, the millennials, of which I am a member, I know, yes, yes, I am that young, um, but... But if we were to ask the younger generation what their fears are, I think a lot of them would fear that the church is too disconnected from the world around us. That we have far too often isolated ourselves and not gotten involved and not gotten to know and help and talk to and tell about Jesus to the world around us, that we are too disconnected from the world. And then if you were to ask others, they might say the opposite. They might say that they're afraid that we are too connected to the world, that we have become too much like the world, that we have assimilated into the world, that we've compromised our morals and our convictions, our standards, and that we look just like everyone around us. I think that there's validity to both of those fears. And I think that the Bible, both the New Testament and the Old Testament, can teach us how to live as exiles. And we talked about last week that the goal is to be faithful. It's not to be assimilated into the world so that we look like the world, to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Nor is it to isolate ourselves where we just hide and wait for Jesus to come back and say, listen, your problems are your problems out in the world. We're just going to hide here and we're going to build a hedge around our Christian community and we're not going to let anybody in. We're not going to let anybody influence us and we're just going to hide from the rest of the world. It's neither of those things. We have got to be both faithful in our conduct and faithful to our calling. And we looked at some of the examples in the Old Testament, how the Jews were living as exiles in Babylon, people like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how they were faithful in their conduct, but how they were also told by people like Jeremiah to seek the welfare of the city in which they were exiled that they were supposed to make Babylon a better place and live out their calling as God's people. So what does that look like? How do we live as exiles in the world? How do we be faithful in our conduct and our calling? And so we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9-12. through Just a few verses. We're going to spend a whole month in these just few verses right here and talk about four principles from these verses that teach us how to live as exiles in the world. Last week, 
The first principle we talked about, remember who you are. You remember who we are? We're going to do a little pop quiz. You knew it was coming, right? If you are here last week, you know. So, And it's been mentioned several times in services this morning. So we are a chosen what? Race. A chosen race. We are a royal what? Priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people for God's own possession, right? We belong to God. We are His people. So if we're going to live as exiles in the world, we have to remember who we are. We have to remember that we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And then two, number two, the second principle that we're going to talk about today is we have to proclaim His excellencies. What does that mean? What does that look like? Let's look at the text first of all, and then we'll dig into that phrase. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 through 12. I love that we've read it already a couple of times in services. This is, this is how we learn things, isn't it? We repeat it over and over again, and we digest it, we think about it, we meditate on it, and we put it into practice in our lives. So, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. One you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation." We're going to look at a couple of those other phrases in there in weeks to come, but today I want to think about that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The first word there is so important. It's a little bitty word, that. That. Because it shows purpose. So Peter says, listen, this is who you are. As believers in Jesus... This used to just apply to the Jews, the descendants of Abraham, but now for all those that are in Christ Jesus, you're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're a people for God's own possession, that, or so that, or in order to. In other words, first we get our job title, and then we hear our job description. So if you get a new job and they say, here's your job title and you have this title so that you may, you know your job description is coming next, right? You better pay attention because this is what you're supposed to do. We have been given this identity in Christ Jesus, as we've talked about before. Our identity in Jesus isn't achieved, it's Received, right? We're, we receive it by God's grace. And so by His grace, we've been made a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that. And it's not so that we can isolate ourselves from the rest of the world and just hide until Jesus comes back. That's not what the text says. And it's not so that we can just blend in and act like everybody else and talk like everybody else and think like everybody else. That's not what it says. What does it say? Let's look at the next part of the phrase. So that or that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him. Think about that first word. I love what Steve had to say before the communion this morning. That we may 
proclaim. That word proclaim means to publish. It means to declare. It means to make known. It, it even some translations and commentators say advertise. You've been given this identity so that you can be a proclaimer, a declarer, an advertiser. Now, I was thinking about this. You know, companies spend millions and millions of dollars on advertising, but all of them know that the very best advertising is a satisfied customer, right? Because when you have a good experience at some business, some restaurant, you enjoy something, what are you going to do about it? You're going to go get on Facebook and you're going to tell everybody, right? You're going to get on Instagram and you're going to take a picture of it and you're going to post it to Instagram or Snapchat or I don't know, whatever is, you know, I, that's probably old school. I don't know. But you know, you're going to, you're going to tell everybody you know about it, right? Because when you're satisfied, when you're happy, when you enjoy something, You tell people about it, right? That we may proclaim the excellencies of Him. So what is it that we're supposed to be declaring or publishing or advertising the excellencies of God? How excellent God is, both in His characteristics, who He is, and in His deeds, what He has Done. See, that's why you have been made God's people. Not so that you could just sit around and wait for Jesus to come back. And you haven't been made God's people so that you can act like the world like you used to act. You've been made God's people so that you can go into the world and you can declare, you can publish, you can advertise who God is. How excellent He is and all the wonderful things that God has done through Christ Jesus to reconcile people to himself. Now think about it for a second. Yesterday, my wife took me out for cheesecake at Cheesecake Factory, and man, I had, I I didn't know such a thing existed. Uh, Chocolate chip cookie dough cheesecake. Man, those are two good words together. I like that. And and, and I mean, I'm going to talk about it because it's good, and it makes me hungry just thinking about it. I got a little bit left at home, and I can't wait to dig into that. You know, but listen, you have a good piece of cheesecake, or you find a nice restaurant or have a good experience at some business around town and you're going to talk about that. But somebody gives you eternal life and forgives all of your sins by His grace. Someone dies for you. Crickets. We don't say anything, right? We say, that piece of cheesecake changed my life. I'm going to tell everybody I know about it. But our friends and our family that don't know Jesus and we're not talking to them about how great God is, our co-workers and our neighbors who are good people and we love them and they're wonderful and they're, they're so sweet and kind, but they don't know the Lord and we're missing opportunities to tell them about the excellencies of God? Why? We all are guilty, aren't we? We all have missed opportunities to share the truth about God, how excellent He is, and the excellent things that He's done for us through Jesus. Why is it? Are we embarrassed? Do we know that that is one thing that makes us stick out as an exile? That makes us stick out as a stranger? That people say, well, that guy's kind of weird. Because some people, even in our world, they may go to church and they may be nominally Christian in some sense of the word, but they're not really, really 
eating and breathing and living what we're talking about, are they? And so you show up to work tomorrow morning and they say, how are you doing? And you say, well, I'm blessed. I'm wonderful. I'm saved. And you start talking about God. They just kind of roll their eyes and say, wow, not another one of those guys, you know. It's embarrassing, isn't it? To stand out. What's going to help us to get over that embarrassment? And to do what we know we need to do. And to say, listen, I, I know it's strange. I know nobody talks like this. I know the world is secular. I know the world is diverse. And you're not supposed to say that Jesus is the way to God. And I know all of that. But I just got to tell you what I know to be the truth. I got to tell you about my God. I got to tell you who He is. And I got to tell you how excellent He is. What's going to get us to that point? You know, there's been times where in my life people have tried to guilt me into being evangelistic. How about you? Kind of twist your arm and say, well, listen, if you don't do this, that's not the way you get people to talk about something that's exciting to them by guilting them into it, right? You don't go to a restaurant and you tell the, the owner of the restaurant, that was really good. I'm going to tell all my friends about it. And he says, you better because I'm going to hunt you down. You don't tell everybody. No, you don't force people. It's not the way it works. You remember a few months ago when we were talking about the book of Ephesians? And we talked about the proper response to grace is gratitude. That you respond when someone in their riches reaches down and does for you what you couldn't possibly do for yourself. Then you respond to them in gratitude. And gratitude looks like loyalty, but it also looks like making that person's name known. Right? You declare to everybody you know, he's a wonderful man. This is what he did for me. That's what you're supposed to do. In that society, they understood that. For some reason, we don't tend to appreciate the fact that when God gives you grace, when God saves you, when God redeems you, when He shows you mercy, you were not a people, and now you are God's people, then we respond to His grace in gratitude, and we make His name known. We make Him famous. We publish. We declare. We tell the world who our God is and what our God has done. Grace motivates us to be evangelistic. Church, we need to understand that this is our primary responsibility. This is what we are in the business of. The church has lots of things that are good for us to do. We're going to talk about more of that in the next couple of weeks. But the church's primary responsibility is proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is who God is. This is what God has done. And we go and tell the world. Now listen, here's the thing. You don't have to convert anybody. You don't have to make them become Christians. You can't. You can't make somebody change their mind about things. But you can tell people how good our God is. You can tell people what God has done. You can proclaim His excellencies. Now let's look at the next part. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's what the Gospel is. The gospel, gospel is a calling. It's an invitation. It says, would you like to leave where you are and what you have and come into what I have to offer you? Would you like to leave the darkness and come into the light? Now some of us need to understand that that's the truth for everyone who is outside of Jesus Christ. 
that they are in the darkness. And I, and I know we live in a world that says, Wes, you can't, you can't say that anymore. You, you can't say that people that aren't Christians are in the darkness. That's what the gospel says. That's what you were before you were in Christ Jesus. You were in the darkness. Paul says in Ephesians 2, you were dead in the trespasses and sins you, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We have to understand that our neighbors who are kind and wonderful people and we love being around them and our co-workers and our family members and they're sweet, but they're not in Jesus, that they are in darkness. And I had a young person went to a Christian college and, and he emailed me after being at school for a while and he said, Wes, I want to talk about people that are participating in the gospel even though they may be atheists or unbelievers. Think about that for a second. Participating in the gospel even though they're unbelievers. And I had to say, well, you got to define your terms. I, I just don't understand. What is the gospel then? How are you participating in the gospel if you don't believe? And he said, well, I think the gospel is just doing good work, seeking justice for people and, and doing good things, being benevolent and generous and charitable. Now listen, you cannot separate Christianity and the gospel of Jesus Christ from doing good in the world. And we'll talk about that as we go. But the gospel is the good news of Jesus' kingship and His atoning sacrifice for mankind. And if you don't accept who Jesus is and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then you're not participating in the gospel. Some of us need to understand that. That there are lost people in the world. And if we're going to accept the gospel, then we are accepting that Jesus is right and that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through Him. But other people need to recognize that just because there are lost people in the world and there are people in darkness in the world doesn't mean that you should isolate yourselves from them. Doesn't mean you shouldn't form friendships with them because you need to get to know them. You need to love them. You need to seek their welfare. You need to proclaim to them the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. You don't deserve to be in the light as He is in the light. You deserve and I deserve to be in the darkness. We deserve to still be dead. But by the gospel, He called us out of that. And I desperately want everyone who hasn't heard about the gospel invitation to hear the gospel invitation. Because this is what we were created to do. This is why Jesus created a new humanity, not just so that we could do good deeds and not just so that we could isolate ourselves and, and hang out and wait and be afraid until Jesus comes back again. He made us to go into the world and to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. So the question is, are you a Christian? If so, then someone told you how excellent God was, didn't they? Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was your spouse. 
Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a missionary. Maybe it was a preacher. Whoever it was, someone told you how excellent God was. Some of you don't remember a time where you didn't know how excellent God was, but some of you remember a time where you didn't know how excellent God was. You didn't know about Jesus and about His saving blood. But someone declared to you, proclaimed to you, advertised to you, this is who God is and God saves sinners like me. And He changed my life and He could change your life. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful not only that Jesus did that, but aren't you thankful that someone told you about what Jesus did? If you're grateful, then tell somebody else. Proclaim to someone else the excellencies of God. Because church, this is who we are supposed to be. This is why I moved to the Metroplex. I didn't move here. Contrary to popular belief, I didn't move here because I love traffic. That was not the reason I came to the Dallas area. I came here because there are thousands of people in Abilene, but there are millions of people here. There are millions of people all around us who are in darkness. And Jesus is inviting them to come out of the darkness and into His marvelous light. And you and I know how that works. You and I know the truth. And we've got to be a people, individually and collectively, to go and to proclaim to them the excellencies of Him who calls people, called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We have got to be a people that are about the business of proclamation. That's why at Life Groups today, this is what we're going to talk about. That's why Wednesday nights, Mark's class is talking about personal evangelism. We get a little bit intimidated. We talk about being evangelistic, right? I don't know about being an evangelist. I don't know about... It just means spreading good news. Good news. When you discover good news that changes your life, you want to tell somebody about it, don't you? So let's be grateful recipients. Let's be grateful that we heard this message. That God saves sinners. That we accepted it. That we were clothed with Jesus in baptism. That we came out of darkness and into His marvelous light. And let's share that story with somebody else. A family member, a neighbor, a co-worker. And maybe the first step is just telling them God is good. And helping them to see just how God, good God is through the cross of Jesus Christ. But maybe there's somebody right here today, that needs to come out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We want to help you do that. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you, whatever we can do. There's a room in the back. The elders would love to visit with you after services. You could come forward. We're here for you. We want to come together out of darkness and into the light. And as we walk in the light, we want to proclaim His excellencies. Why don't you come forward as we stand and sing?